Hey everyone, welcome to episode 16 of Bible and Breakfast with Basketball Dads. We have a really, really fun guest on today, Adam Weber, who's a pastor of Embrace Church in South Dakota. He's also an author and he's releasing his new book, uh, Love Has a Name, tomorrow, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about, about the new book a little bit later on in the show, but uh, really excited to have Adam on with us today. So Adam, how you doing? I'm doing great. Huge honor to be on the podcast with you, Andrew, and uh, grateful for our mutual friend, Jason Romano, and just just tr thrilled to be on with you today. Yeah, Jason's an awesome guy. And obviously, you know, <laughs> as you share with me before the show, he was he was the first one to text you today just to to say praying for you. And he's that, that's who he is. And he's such a great friend, a great person. And um, I'm so glad that we were able to get connected through Jason. So um, yeah, before we uh, kind of get into a few questions here, um, wanted to ask you, you know, what, what's God been doing? You're, you're obviously a pastor, but you also have, you know, you're, you're involved in a lot of other things. You have your own podcast, the conversation podcast, you have a new book coming out, but what are some things God's been teaching you uh, through the process of all these things you've been doing? Yeah, I feel like I'm learning and learning so much. And right now I'm in just one of the sweetest seasons of my life, to be honest with you, even in the midst of our chaos that we're going through. It's just uh, a really one of the most life-giving times in my life. And I say that uh, it's following up the hardest season of my life. Um, I had to make a hard leadership decision a couple of years ago, and it was brutal. And really, for the first time, had people walk out of my life and really be criticized publicly for the very first time. And um, I, I think anybody who's a leader or is, is following a different path than everybody else uh, you're going to go through seasons like that. And that was a season uh, we like to use the word pruning. It's, you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Yeah. And it sounds really pretty and lovely. It's a horrible process to walk through. <laughs> I, I preached on uh, I, that those verses uh, one time and I called a local uh, uh, vineyard and just asked about the pruning process. The guy wasn't a Christian. And he said, when you're pruning a vine to the untrained eye, it looks like you're killing the vine. I mean, you're not just you're not just kind of cutting off a few branches. You're hacking at like the core of what it is, and uh, I, I didn't understand what that was like until a couple of summers ago, and now I'm in the season of seeing God just bring so much joy and peace and refine it in me as a leader, as a follower of Jesus, and so really God has just been teaching me like through these hard seasons, I'm gonna t I'm gonna refine you and I'm gonna make you stronger, and it feels like to the untrained eye, it feels like I'm killing you. And yet I'm not, I'm using this for your good. And so I just want to encourage anybody, anybody who's gone through just a horrible season, um, whether it was uh, brought on by your stupidity or somebody else's, um, God can use that. And you might look back on this time and not say, thank you for letting this happen. But you might look back on that time and say, there's been so much good that's come from that. And uh, so that's, that's what I've been learning a whole bunch. It's just God making me new and making me so much stronger and refined. And even my integrity and character has just grown so much in the last two years. Man, I love that so much. And it's really cool. You know, I, I've, I had that thought in my mind the other day too, about, you know, just, just tough times that we go through and how, yeah, it sucks. I mean, no joys <laughs> going through it, but you know, it does grow us. And one thing that was on my mind through this was so many times we often look at ourselves and like, man, yeah, I'm going through this tough time. God's working on my heart. I'm growing, I'm learning. But at the same time, he's also preparing us to maybe help somebody else. And somebody else might be going through this years from now. And we can look back on these tribulations, these trials, these hard times. And, and you know, it's like, man, God prepared me. He showed me where I need to 
where I need to go, what I need to do to help this person as well. And I think that's a really cool thought, you know, as you share that it's, it's on my mind, just thinking that way too. Well, there's, there's, that's, that's so true and so good. There's a wisdom that comes from trials that you can't learn anywhere where else. Um, one of my favorite authors, Mark Batterson, I can't say this quote from him enough. Uh, he told me when I interviewed him, uh, he's like, he said, I never trust a pastor without a limp. And I, I think that's true of coaches. I think that's true of brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. There's something about a person, the perfect person away from Jesus. I don't have much to learn from. It's like, ah, gosh, I'm not that Jesus. I can learn from you, but other perfect people. Uh, and just to say it, there are no perfect people, <laughs> but, uh, the perfect person I can't learn from, but someone who's been around the block and has got some battle scars and battle wounds. I'm like, man, I want to follow her. I want to follow him. Cause they, they know something that I don't know. And out of that, really the, uh, um, uh, Paul, I believe tells us, uh, where he comforts us so we can comfort others. And when we've went through those things ourselves, it really, it really qualifies us. We might think our past good and bad disqualifies us. And yet for me, often those times, those things are what qualifies us to speak into somebody who's lost a loved one, who doesn't make the team, who has a terrible season sports wise, who fails publicly. You can come into it and say, Hey, I just want you to know I've been there before. And all of a sudden it makes sense. You don't have to, the other person doesn't have to explain how they feel. It's like, I know exactly how you feel. And I got it. Like I got it and you're going to be okay. And the sun's going to come up tomorrow. I promise it will. It always does, but it's going to tomorrow. Yeah, no doubt. And obviously a lot of people who, who listen to the show are involved in the sports world. They're coaches, players, but I know, you know, one thing where we, we learn a lot of this stuff and we go through hard times is in the sports realm. It's, it's playing games. It's learning to lose. It's learning how to compete and, and all that. Would you be able to talk a little bit about your background in sports, maybe some lessons you learn, yeah. uh, some, oppor some opportunities you might've had to, you know, impact somebody through, through sports. Yeah. So I, I don't have a huge sports resume myself. I played uh, high school football and uh, was active in fellowship of Christian athletes in college. One of the most unique things though, is just over the last, even five, six years, uh, the amount of random athletes that have started reaching out to me, uh, people that I didn't know who they were even, uh, sending me a direct message on Twitter saying, Hey, I'm going through this personal thing. Would you pray for me guys on the road traveling? Hey, I don't know. I don't know anybody who's a Christian and I'm just started reading the Bible or I listened to one of your sermons or I read one of your books asking questions. And so it's been kind of a cool thing to start being a pastor to a whole bunch of athletes. I love sports personally. I bleed sports. Um, but it's just been an honor to walk alongside. And I, um, in sports, in so many ways, tomorrow is never certain. I mean, even if you land a huge contract, uh, you can lose that contract very quickly. <laughs> and so there, there's no stability. I mean, it's like, and it's all about what you do, like wins and losses, you know, your batting average, like away from that, I know you're a good guy, but we got to let you go. And good guys, you know, it just doesn't get you anything. And so that's really hard to be judged so critically on numbers and results. And so I think the thing that I've learned there, but it's, it's a lot of, you know, I, I can't get cut as easily as a sports athlete, as a pastor. Um, but as any human struggles with his performance and how do you find your identity in Christ versus identity in your, you know, how you're shooting, how you're playing, how you're do producing. I know I feel that way. Even as a pastor, I struggle with my identity in Christ rather than 
how many people are following me, how people, people are downloading things, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I, I, that's not a way to live. It's not a way to live moment to moment. And so what does it look like to have our identity constant in Christ? Uh, one of my favorite verses in Hebrews, uh, Jesus is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And I think specifically in sports world, that's something just to hold on to of, of Jesus. I don't want to go up and down and feel like I'm on a boat in the middle of the ocean being tossed back and forth, my family being tossed back and forth. We're moving here. We lost a job there. Maybe we'll get a deal here. Even a couple of guys locally, are um, they play professional basketball overseas, and that's all up in the air right now. Like, are, Is there going to be a season? Am I going to get offered something? That's a, hard, that's a hard place to live no matter who you are. And so it's, it's clinging to our identity in Christ. And one of the cool things about an anchor is the stronger the winds are, if you have an anchor properly set, the deeper the anchor actually digs. And so it's not just good like when there's calm water. You don't need an anchor when there's calm water. When you're doing great, when you're, everything's winds are happening, they're like raining from the sky, you don't need an anchor. But when things go off or when you get hurt or injured or whatever it might be, when we have our anchor set in Jesus, the stronger the winds, the more secure he becomes. And I'm so thankful for that for athlete friends. Um, but even more so, I'm, I'm thankful for that for my own soul is, God, I don't want to ride. I don't want to ride this. And so what does it look like to make Jesus our anchor moment to moment, day to day, regardless of what we're producing? And oftentimes that actually the fact that Jesus is our anchor, our producing actually increases because we have a peace about us. We know that this game isn't life and death. Like, my, my, this moment right here is not going to last forever. All of a sudden gives us perspective on things and a calmness on things. It's like, yeah, I'm going to bring my a game. No doubt. Like I'm going to do absolutely the best I can do in the gym. But when it comes to the game, I know that my life and my identity is not held in the coach's hand or in a scoreboard's hand. It's, it's held in Jesus and that can't change. And so there's just this confidence that comes about when we have that, whether you're an athlete or a pastor, it, uh, yeah. it, it just changes things. Yeah. Knowing our identity is so important. And that, I oh. think that's been, that's been such a foundation, you know, for me as a coach is, is knowing my identity and my identity is in Jesus. Because when, like you said, when you put it in wins and you put it in jobs and you put it in the next thing, man, it's fleeting and it just, it doesn't last and it doesn't, it doesn't give you that confidence. It really is oh. depressing in a way. So that identity well, is so important. It so is. And even I talked with a guy uh, not too long ago, he just uh, ended his career at the NFL, um, not by choice. And one of the most rock solid followers of Jesus I know. And I know right now he's really struggling. I mean, the, I play in the NFL. It's what I do. And not just what I do. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. Like everything is tied up in it. Even, even his source of community. I mean, one of the things I, I missed when I left high school and when I left college even was the immediate community that you had. I mean, you had this team that you went everywhere with. They're your brothers, at least for the year they are. And so much of your identity is wrapped up, not even in a negative way. It's just, it's all wrapped up in that. And so it's like, who am I now? Like my schedule, like my family schedule, everything has been changed. Who who the heck am I? And um, that that's hard, even if you're solid, even if you have that anchor set. Um, and I can't imagine what it would be like without that. And again, I feel that, I feel that even as a pastor, like 
it's uh, easy to say, oh, athletes need to make sure they do this and this. It's like, no, uh, pastor, you actually might want to start doing this too. <laughs> and so, because even with COVID, our numbers at the church has changed. You know, we're seeing still about 60% of where we were a year ago. That's hard. Like, I don't care who you are. That definitely impacts your soul. Yeah. And let me ask you this too. You know, the subtitle of your book is learning to love the different, the difficult and everyone else. So as you know, you experience this as a pastor, but as coaches, you know, we just talked about players wanting to perform their identities wrapped up in other things. So when these players are not performing up the standard or their mind is elsewhere, or they're doing things they're not supposed to do, they become very hard to love people. It's hard. To, it's hard to love them on a daily basis, a consistent basis. And again, if you don't have the, the identity in the right place, it can be hard to figure that out. But how do you how do you love hard to love people consistently? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. Uh, for me, as basic as it can get, um, there's something powerful that happens when you know someone's name. And really, a person's name represents their story, who they are, their past, good and bad. It's easy just to be upset with somebody, whether it's a coach or a player who's just high maintenance. But when you find out that same high maintenance player uh, didn't have a father growing up, you find out that same high maintenance player was was abused as a kid or has has had people walk out of his life. Uh, it changes things. It doesn't even change the other person necessarily. They're still high maintenance, whatever. But all of a sudden, you begin to have feelings of compassion for them. It's like, man, this person is not just a, an annoyance to my day, a frustration. They're a person with a soul. And so I, I think something something powerful happens when we, we, we know someone's name and we know someone's story because they're no longer just a number to us or um, a hindrance to our frustration, our hindrance to our day. They become a person that matters. And when we begin to even more so remind ourselves that they matter to God, that God knows their name and they're made in the image of God and their life has the same value of ours. Then all of a sudden it levels the playing field. And so, yeah, we still might be their coach yet at the foot of the cross, we still all stand on level ground. And, um, and I think there's a responsibility that, that comes with that. Again, for me as a pastor, I'm not a coach. I'm a pastor with, with a staff of how 20 some 30 some people, whatever it is um, with a congregation um, and so it's like, I'm responsible. Like, how to, hey, Adam, how are you doing at caring them, for, caring for them and loving them? And I'll be the first one to say at, at times I haven't been the best at loving the team closest to me. Um, I have hard, I have high expectations of myself and sometimes I pass that on to the team and it's not fair. And so um, I think that's an important thing. And so for me, what, over the last two years, I've really had to learn to slow down and before getting to work and like, hey, how are we doing with numbers and whatever else it might be really stopping to say, hey. How are you doing, Kaylin? Um, how was your weekend? Hey, how are things coming with that thing that you mentioned last week that you asked me to pray for? And some, you know, that changes things for me, and it also changes for them things for them because all of a sudden they realize they're not just a number to me. They're not just an object that I'm hoping to have produce. You know, on our on athletics, it's so concrete. Like, what have you done for me today? But when, as a coach, you begin to treat someone as a human, also having hard conversations, no doubt. And being honest of saying, hey, we're not seeing what we want to see, but that doesn't change how I love you and how I feel about you. Um, I, I think all of a sudden, again, then our team begins to respond and they're like, he believes in me and he sees something in me. And even at the end of the day, if I get cut by him or don't make the team, I have no doubt that coach loved me so well. And I think at the end of our lives, whether we're coaches or pastors, I don't think that God's going to ask about our numbers. 
I think he's going to ask, hey, how do you do at loving others, specifically the ones that I entrusted you with, your spouse and kids, but also your team? The person who got cut, what would they say about you as a coach? The person on your staff, Adam, that worked next to you at a church, what would they say about you as a pastor offstage? Um, and for me, those are the things I know at my funeral. I, I'll be grateful if there's a few people who read my book or heard my preaching, but the people at my funeral that I hope to be would be first in line to speak about me and who I am as my wife and kids, and then my staff that work closest with me. I only hope they'd say, Adam was far from perfect. He was quick to admit it. But man, I knew he loved Jesus and he loved me so well. And he cared for me when no one else knew he was caring for me. And he was generous towards me when he didn't tell anybody he was generous towards me. And he forgave me when I didn't deserve it. I hope those are the types of things that are mentioned at my funeral someday. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I think if there's if there's one thing that coaches or players get from this, man, it's just, just to love other people. Love people yeah. like God love people because that's like you said, it goes a long ways. Even when, when basketball is not going well, you're not playing well, we're not getting wins. Like when you care about somebody and you love somebody outside of the basketball realm or whatever it is that you're involved with, it, it just means so much. And, and people really respect you. You gain trust. Oh. And I, th I think it just goes a long way. So, man, I, that, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. I, I have one quick challenge for everybody listening. <laughs> I'm a person – Again, I'm an Enneagram three, so I'm an achiever, <laughs> constantly thinking about like how to how to reach more people for Christ is my driving force in my life. Um, my my challenge would be for everybody listening. It's all we all are geared to know the person at the top of the totem pole in the room. I mean, any room we come in, we know who kind of the top dog is, and everybody wants to get to know them. My challenge would be, sure, get to know them, no doubt. Like sometimes God just lines two people up who can make a difference together. It's awesome. But more than the top dog, I would challenge every single person, any room you're in, get to know the name of the person on the bottom. Um, that might be a janitor in some rooms for athletes. That might be the, the security guard holding the door. That might be the fan uh, who loves a certain player. Uh, again, everybody wants to know the top dog. Jesus constantly talked about the least being the greatest and the greatest being the least. And um, how cool would it be if we spent all our career, every single room we were in, we looked to the, for the person at the low of society, we got to know their name, and we just simply loved them. I think oftentimes um, Jesus in my prayer life, I've never audibly heard the voice of God, but often my prayers, often my prayers, if I'm being honest, is, God, I want to do something big. I want to do something big for you. I want to do something big. And um, I often hear God speak back, Adam, what you think is big is actually really small. And what you think is really small is actually really big. And so you might want to actually start taking note of all the big things around you right now. And they're actually people. And um, these people who seem very insignificant, they have no platforms or followers. Those are, those are the big things that I've been putting in your path, seeing how you'll respond to them. And uh, if I can trust you with, with caring for someone that I see as the VIP, this janitor, this security person, then I'll begin to open up different doors for you. But in the meantime, I'm just waiting to kind of see how you're going to love the people that matter to me the most. Mm, man, that's awesome. You're just, you're just dropping some great wisdom today. Man. This, is, this is awesome. And, you know, I think, man, that, that's convicting to me too, because it oh. is so true. You, you kind of gravitate towards the top person and it's really hard to you know, to love somebody who maybe can't do anything for you in return, but being able to, like you said, this a, a janitor, sure, they clean up, they clean up and it, it's a really important job, but they, they don't, 
necessarily do anything for me or help promote me in any way. And our, our yeah. selfish mindset just, that's awesome though. I think that is a great perspective switch to have in our minds. Um, and you know, let's, let's use that to kind of go into talking about your book a little bit. Yeah. Cause I know, you know, explain to a little bit why you wrote the book, what the purpose is behind the book and just kind of what you're hoping to, to accomplish with the words in it. Yeah. So I kind of mentioned earlier that uh, a couple of years ago, I went through the hardest season of my life. And really for the first time, I have very few gifts. I have the gift of gab, the gift of joy and just genuinely loving people. I mean, those are kind of my strong suits. But a couple of years ago, for the first time in my life, I didn't want to love anybody. I wanted to love my wife, my kids, a few close friends, and that's about it. Uh, and so I had to really figure out what does it look like to love people when I don't personally want to, again, it was my strong suit for so long. And so I began to look to Jesus of like, how do you do this? Um, it's, it's interesting. The more I read the Bible, the more, uh, uh, impressed I am with just the simple fact that Jesus wanted to love people. You know, we're, we're told that he washes the feet of the disciples before going to the cross, including a man named Judas, who was about to betray him. And Jesus knew that. I don't know about you, but there's few things that hurt worse than betrayal. And yet Jesus is washing his feet, you know, and, and oftentimes Jesus will do a miracle and then it will be criticized and it'll say many walked away from him. And then the next story is Jesus doing another miracle and loving people. And for me, it's like many people walk away from me. I'm not doing anything for you anymore. And so just Jesus, this, the simple way that he loved people was so powerful. And I began to think about all the different people who have loved me over the years. Um, just people who have, uh, have shown me the love of Jesus, even if they weren't even Christians, like they didn't even know Jesus, and yet they've shown me Christ. And so the book is the names of 27 people um, who have either loved me or I've tried to love them. None of them have huge platforms. None of them have huge influence. Just these everyday people who have shown me the love of Jesus combined with a similar person that Jesus loved. So each, each chapter is the name of a person in that story combined with someone similar that Jesus loved. And my hope through the book is that through my my just candidness, I mean, I'm just really honest through it, um, and also my lameness and cheesiness. Hopefully, hopefully, it'll just hopefully it'll just convince somebody just to begin to look around. Specifically, that maybe that person who's just kind of jaded and doesn't want to love somebody. Hopefully, they'll just begin to look around and say, "Dude, how are you doing? What's your name? What's your story?" Because uh, I found. Um, one of the greatest ways to find joy, one of the greatest ways to find peace in your life is just to start loving people like Jesus, which sounds the opposite, right? And yet for me, um, each day, if you wake up and you just begin to pray, God, help me to see one person that I can love today. I promise you it will turn into the most bizarre, random, awesome adventure you've ever been on. <laughs> there's There's been times in the last two years where I'm like, how in the heck did I end up in this back alley talking to this random <laughs> cat? Like, who is this guy? Yeah. And uh, yet it's been honestly one of the coolest, coolest journeys in my life. That's awesome. Last night you, you tweeted a picture of your wife sitting on your porch reading your new book. <laughs> and I want to ask you, since this, you know, this is a basketball dad podcast and yeah. obviously it's, it's really hard to be a good dad without having a great wife. So how, how impactful um, has her support been throughout not only just, you know, your career as a pastor, but just through the process of writing this book. Yeah, I um, I thank God for my wife every single day. And my wife is the quieter half of the two of us. 
um, you know, she didn't grow up in a, in a home that used a lot of words. And it's, it's been so cool to see her grow and learn how to share her love through words with the kids and I. But for me in that moment even was, that's how she says, I love you and I support you. I randomly look out there and she's reading that book. I came outside and I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, oh, leave me alone. And I'm like, you're reading that book? What? <laughs> so <laughs> she, she has been, if there's nothing greater than finding a spouse that loves Jesus. And um, we are all going to go through hills and valleys and detours and all this kind of thing. And it's been so cool. And this is just God's faithfulness. And the times when she's been in a hard season or struggling or broken or hurting, she's pretty quick to share about just struggling with, with, with depression at times. Um, I've been the strong one. And they've been able to remind her of who God is and who Jesus is and share scripture with her and cheer her on. And then in moments of my hard seasons where I just feel like giving up and I'm done and I'm angry and I'm jaded at the world, she's been the strong one. And she's been the one that says, let's pray. Let's, let's look at this verse. Hey, go find some time. Just go spend an hour at a coffee shop reading, just praying or whatever you need to do. And so uh, I would be so lost without my wife. I think two nights ago, um, I, I was asking her how to brown hamburger or something like that. <laughs> and she's, she said under her breath, she's like, God, please n- le- never let anything tragic happen to me. <laughs> yeah. My wife has said that to me several times too. Like, oh. how, how the heck is he going to survive without me? Yeah, I always I always joke if something tragic happens to my wife, I'll call child services on myself. <laughs> I feel like he's a very kind man. I'm just concerned the kids won't eat or ever bathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. But no, that's that's awesome. I, I saw that picture and it was just really cool because I know how important our wives are when we're, you know, trying to be leaders and grow people and it's it's really hard yes. to do without great support at home. So oh, that's um, amazing. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Can you just, uh, you know, your book releases tomorrow. Um, where can people find the book? Where can they purchase it? And how can they find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so the great question. You can find the book pretty much anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Target.com, Walmart.com. It's available online and in stores at Barnes & Noble. So pretty much anywhere books are sold. And then I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. So you can find me on Twitter, Adam Weber. And then on Instagram, Adam A. Weber. And uh, I would be so honored uh, to connect with somebody. If you read through the book, let me know. If there's a question I didn't answer in the book, shoot me a message. I'd love to try to answer it. But yeah, this would be so humbled for anybody who got the, got, a, got a copy of the book. Yeah. So make sure you go go pick that up. I know I'm going to order a couple copies to read not only for myself, but to give away. So Adam, thank you so much for your time. Um, it was awesome just hearing your perspective uh-huh. on some things and, and really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you too, Andrew, for the podcast, for being a coach, um, just for being the person you are. It's I have no doubt that God is using you to make an awesome impact. And so thanks for being faithful.